Welcome to Uncaged. Uncaged. A show celebrating thought leadership from today's top business leaders. The program provides a voice to amazing executives from around the globe who are shaping the world of business today and mapping the path to the world of commerce tomorrow. And now, please welcome our host, Bant Breen, as we begin another Uncaged episode. Today, we're speaking with Britton Ladd. Hey, Britton, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm very, very well. I'm excited to talk to Britton today. Britton is the Chief Supply Chain and Marketing Officer for Pulse Integration. Pulse Integration is what a, a, really a cutting-edge company. It's a leading systems integrator for robotics and technology and really kind of a builder in this uh kind of emerging micro-fulfillment space. And I, I know that we're going to talk to Britton more about how micro-fulfillment is, is really shaping and how he and Pulse are, are, are playing a really critical role in that world. But before we get there, tell us a little bit about your background, Britton. So I really began my career when I joined the Marine Corps. I served in the Marine Corps for six years. After I was discharged, I earned a bachelor's degree began working for a company called Caliber Logistics, which was eventually acquired by FedEx. And I just really started to work in transportation, logistics, and then the evolving space of supply chain management. I've always loved the learning. So along the way, I earned three master's degrees, including a master of science in supply chain management. And I've just always been someone who's enjoyed performing research and doing research. And I've loved working and traveling, so I've lived and worked globally, so I have a global frame of reference of all things business. And one of the things I also enjoy doing is writing. So I'm a contributor to Forbes magazine, I'm on the Forbes Council, and I also have my own website, BrittonLad.com, where I write articles about economics, supply chain logistics, retail, and other topics. So, I mean, what a great background, and, and I, I, I share that with you as being kind of a uh, lifelong learner. Uh, I, uh, I sometimes think it's like a blessing and a curse, uh, as, <laughs> you know, but uh, I guess it's always staying curious and always trying to learn. But I, I'm, I'm very curious to learn more about what you're, you guys are up to at Pulse Integration. It seems like uh, you're tackling really some of the critical issues that are very much part of this emerging uh, commerce economy. It really is. And we have some very big news we'll be announcing probably in the next one to two weeks. And really what we're doing at the company, number one is we know that now is a great time to be taking advantage of all of the opportunities out there. So we've been looking at different acquisition opportunities. We've been looking at different cha uh, different channels that we can enter. But really what we've been doing is we work with some of the largest companies in the world. And these companies have been challenging us over the last two years about how do they raise their bar on all things supply chain and logistics and technology, software. And then starting two years ago, I began writing articles about micro-fulfillment. And I've been credited, and I appreciate when people say these things about me, I've been credited with being the person who really helped drive interest in micro-fulfillment and being that person who really helped grocery retailers especially understand the value of micro-fulfillment. So we're one of the largest and absolutely one of the leading companies out there. 
that not only helps retailers identify what micro-fulfillment system they should choose, but we help them actually design and determine how many do they need, where should they be located, um, what's the future, how many will they need in the coming years. We install those systems, but then we help them re-engineer and remodel their entire business so that they can take full advantage of this technology. There's this false sense of belief out there that many retailers have that if they just install a micro-fulfillment center or a customer fulfillment center, that's all they have to do. And I've been very clear on saying to companies that's false. It's only the beginning. When you go down the path of technology, it's only the beginning. You have many other things that you have to do. And so the companies that we do business with they absolutely have been able to achieve profitability. They've been able to reduce their costs and they're able to leverage this technology for a competitive advantage. And we know we have many other companies out there that we'll be working with in the coming years. So our mindset is we really want to be an extension of your engineering teams, your, your strategy teams and your executive teams. And it just drives a tremendous amount of business to us. We couldn't be happier with how things have turned out for us. Yeah, and, and really kind of coming up with that more holistic approach. But for, for kind of the, the person who's hearing that term micro-fulfillment for the first time, Britton, give us a little bit of an overview of, of why that is such a key issue today and really kind of a key solution for uh, a very, very complex and important challenge. Well, the main thing I wanna point out is this. On the average, Grocery retailers that fulfill online orders manually can lose up to $25 on every order they fulfill. Now, when I speak about this at conferences, when I write about this in my articles, it just freaks people out. They're, they just sit back and they say, is that really possible? And I say, it's not only is it possible, it's a fact. And so several years ago, interest started to be driven. And yes, I'm credited with being one of those individuals. But other people were doing it as well. And what we began to point out is you actually could use micro-fulfillment systems to automate fulfilling online orders of groceries. And these systems are really these big platforms. And I'll give you an example. My favorite system out there is from a company called AutoStore. And AutoStore looks like a big Rubik's Cube. These systems can be around 20,000 square feet. But imagine you're holding a Rubik's Cube in front of you. And each of the little boxes in the Rubik's Cube holds inventory, meat, milk, eggs, grow, you know, ambient temperature products, cans of corn, pork and beans, and so forth. And on top of the Rubik's Cube, little robots go back and forth. And they reach down inside the system and they pull out these bins. And then they pull out the inventory and they put it in a tote. And they're, what they're doing is, is they're fulfilling orders. Instead of humans, Walking around in a grocery store, the pickers we all see in the grocery stores who seem to take up the most space in the aisle, they always seem to take the last product off the shelf that we were wanting. This system of leveraging technology robotics to fulfill orders actually automates that process and pulls the picking out of the stores and it greatly reduces labor costs. So a micro-fulfillment center is an actual location where you install a micro-fulfillment system. There's AutoStore, Alert Innovation, there's Exotech, Adverb, Geek Plus, Adabotics. There are multiple systems out there. And you install these systems in a micro-fulfillment center, and that's where the inventory goes inside the system. 
And then as online orders and curbside orders come in, the system starts and it actually, the robots pick the orders, take the orders to a human, the human puts them in a bag, the orders are staged and then they're delivered. So this really is the future of grocery retailing today. There's another company out there called Urbex, Urbex Logistics. And what they've done is they've come up with a way to say, why don't we make the micro-fulfillment center the actual store? So they're building micro-fulfillment towers. Some of these towers can be as high as 160 feet or more, but they can carry 50,000 products inside that micro-fulfillment center that's been built vertically. However, they can fulfill a 50-item order in about two minutes. So this is changing fundamentally the way people will shop in the future, but it's just getting started. It's in its infancy. There's a lot of improvement that has to be out there. Um, but at a high level, that's really how I describe what micro-fulfillment is. Yeah, no, that's a really uh, clear explanation. And I, I, can, I can only see how rapidly things have shifted. You know, I, I, come, I, I, would, I come from a town in, in Illinois, Evanston, Illinois, which is, uh, was the, the, this, the hometown of a company called Peapod back in the day. You probably remember those. Oh, guys. absolutely. Yeah, I know the founders of Peapod. They did a yeah. great job creating that company. Yeah. And, you know, I remember being in those grocery stores in Evanston and seeing all those pickers, you know, take, <laughs> take the items off the shelves and stealing my avocados from right in front of me. And so I know exactly kind of what you're talking about. And, and clearly, uh, I've, uh, I've seen um, some kind of the, the, these plans for these micro fulfillment centers. Um, are we seeing some companies, some retailers embrace this uh, more aggressively than others? Or is this kind of, are we, um, is this like, I mean, is this like one of these things that Amazon's kind of moving faster than the, the average bear on this one? Or what's, what's, the, what's your take on it? You know, it's interesting. For anyone who watches this, if you go to my LinkedIn profile, you'll see an article I wrote called A Beautiful Way to Save Woolworths. It's a research paper I wrote. Wrote it in 2013, and I was one of the first people to design a micro-fulfillment system. And in that paper, I designed stores for Amazon. And I made the argument to Amazon that you should put an automated micro-fulfillment solution on the top floor in a grocery store. Take all of the center store aisle items and put them in the top floor, and then leave the, the, the store to really be dedicated to fresh fruits, vegetables, meat, milk, eggs, alcohol. Mm -hmm some little restaurants and things like that. So when I worked for Amazon, I pointed out to them this paper I'd written. And I worked for a little over two years at Amazon to really help them understand the value of micro-fulfillment, mm -hmm. but also the value of owning physical stores. Right. I was the first person to recommend Amazon to acquire Whole Foods. I did it in that research paper. And although I'm glad that Amazon's working on groceries and they've invested, I think they're years behind where they should be at this stage. I'm not really happy with what they've done with Whole Foods. And I really started to write articles saying that Amazon should divest Whole Foods. I think Whole Foods would be better owned and operated by the retailer Target. And I think Amazon would make a much better business decision if they invested more heavily on opening their own stores and building micro-fulfillment centers right inside those stores. Not all of them, but in the majority of them, so they can be automating micro-fulfillment. But as of today, I think Amazon only has about 30 stores that, that's Amazon Fresh stores. 
the company that I really believe needs, deserves to have an A plus is the Texas-based retailer HEB. Okay. I think HEB is arguably the best grocery retailer in the U.S. And they are actively in, uh, installing multiple systems from AutoStore. I believe they should be looked at as the leader in all things micro-fulfillment today. Then you have Ahold Delhaze, which I think is an incredible company. They're the ones who acquired Peapod. They're moving heavily in micro-fulfillment. You have Albertsons, which has a relationship with a company called Takeoff. Mm -hmm. Albertsons is also evaluating different micro-fulfillment solutions. And there are many other grocery retailers out there. I've seen Kroger's Kroger's doing a little bit. I've seen some, at least they're they're talking about it. Who's this? Kroger. Oh, so let's talk about Kroger. So when I left Amazon and opened up my own practice, Kroger was the first company to hire me. And when I got to Kroger, what I did was make the argument to them that they needed to invest heavily in micro-fulfillment, but they should also acquire a company called Okada. Now, that was a little too big of an idea for Kroger. They didn't like the idea of acquiring Okada, but they certainly understood the value of partnering with Okada. So Kroger is partnered with Okada. They've opened up two of their facilities. They're called Customer Fulfillment Centers. They're very heavily robotic-intensive facilities. And they are really, they're making some headway in this space, but Kroger made a massive mistake. I warned Kroger, you have to start with micro-fulfillment first, and Kroger started with customer fulfillment centers first. So now Kroger's realizing they're behind, they're not as far along as they should be. So now Kroger's actively looking at different micro-fulfillment solutions. But while we're on the topic of grocery retailing, I do want to point out, There's going to be an awful lot of changes between 2020 and 2030 in the grocery industry. You'll see more more changes from 2020 to 2030 than has taken place in the prior 100 years. Yeah, I I mean, I I uh, I wrote a a a doctorate uh, in about machine learning. uh, Interesting. Couple of years, and I uh, I I think that probably one of the things that is happening behind the scenes is the emergence of robotics and machine learning and, and really kind of that, 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 that those two uh, areas kind of uh, working together to really reinvent the way we think of almost anything. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm very excited to, about over the next decade, but it is, it is quite a dramatic period. Tell me, when you think about that decade, what are the things that really kind of stand out that people really need to be thinking about? Well, I think the things that people really need to understand is that there's going to be massive disruption. And I mean disruption on a scale that they've never seen before. So first and foremost, there's going to be mergers and acquisitions that are going to be taking place because they have to. Amazon is getting bigger and bigger. By 2023, Amazon will be larger than Walmart. That's going to shock an awful lot of people, but that is a reality. So companies are going to have to merge to have an opportunity to really be more competitive. And I've been very vocal about this. I think Albertsons and Ajo Delhi should merge. I believe Amazon should divest Whole Foods, as I stated earlier. And then you have companies that are coming from Europe, Getter from Turkey, Didja from London, Gorillas from Germany. These are rapid on-demand grocery delivery companies that can deliver groceries in 10 to 15 minutes. So it's going to disrupt everything that people have seen when it comes to grocery retailing, even a company like Instacart is unable to deliver anywhere near at those speeds. So be prepared for Instacart, believe it or not, 
I believe Instacart's going to open up their own micro-fulfillment centers. I think Instacart may choose to become a system integrator and offer their own micro-fulfillment technology to the customers. But be prepared for this most of all. Instacart will become their own grocery retailer. They'll become an online grocery retailer. I believe it's plausible. They'll end the relationship with their current customers. And because Instacart is so large, I won't be surprised if they acquire Kroger or Albertsons or Ajo Del Hayes or any other number of grocery retailers. So having Instacart become a grocery retailer is really going to disrupt the grocery industry. But then there's all of the other things that could happen, like you stated, impacts of machine learning, AI, uh, the fact that a company like Kroger may determine we really shouldn't have started with, with Ocado. We really do need micro-fulfillment. Kroger may get a new CEO who's, who may say, we're not even going to move forward with this project. Maybe what we should do is merge with Target. Um, so that's what I'm really expecting is that there's going to be lots of merger and acquisition activity. Technology is going to continue to be disruptive. All these little startups are going to come out of nowhere. But towards the end of 2030, what you're going to see is a big cloud of dust. And that's from all of these startups that crash and burn. It's from all of the technology companies that couldn't make it work. And so as we get towards the end of 2030, you'll see that there's fewer players out there, but they'll all be much bigger. And so that's what I'm really anticipating is going to happen just when it comes to the grocery industry. Yeah, well, I mean, I assume at some point there has to be kind of that consolidation just just for just the basic economies of scale for you know managing you know the purchasing of commodities and, and all of those types of things. But I, I have noticed that there are some groups that seem to be buying up a ton of real estate uh, near airports and you know things like that to build things like ghost kitchens and um, I imagine all of those things kind of play into what a grocery store would do as well, you know, where you're not only fulfilling kind of collection of items, but also pre, you know, preparation, pre-preparation of foods and bringing that into the whole game. Too. Oh, that's true. And I've actually been yeah. writing about that since about 2013. And the argument I've made to grocery retailers is why do you feel comfortable as a CEO knowing you have millions of customers shopping at your stores annually only to go home and pick up the phone and call DoorDash or Uber Eats and order, and order food from a restaurant. I said to these grocery retailers, why don't you just open up your own dark kitchens or use your own stores and do prepared meals, ready to eat meals, and be able to cook meals on demand for your own grocery retail customers, but simply have it to where you provide them with food as well. And that's starting to happen. More and more grocery retailers are realizing they made that mistake. Travis Kalanick, one of the founders of Uber, he created a company on Dark yeah. Kitchens, yeah. not going as well as he thought it would. Mark Lohr, who recently left Walmart, he created a concept where it's kind of a dark kitchen and a picnic pulled behind a van. Um, I'm not holding out much hope for that. I really think that's just something he did as an idea. But I'm sure behind the scenes, he's looking at some very big opportunities. Um, but again, I bring it back to and say, who else could be doing some big things in all of these different areas? Right. So, uh, so one of the things I've argued is that I think Walmart, as a defensive mechanism, Walmart should merge with Home Depot. They should create separate companies on e-commerce, supply chain, logistics, but also food and grocery. And so when you get a massive company, if Walmart were to do that, 
Now you have a company that's bigger than all of the restaurants combined, the majority of the grocery stores combined. And if they're leveraging the supply chain and autonomous vehicles and teleoperated vehicles and so forth, they actually can reimagine the entire grocery experience and the entire kitchen experience. And again, that's what I think people need to be aware of throughout the rest of the 2020s. Everything that you've become accustomed to truly has an opportunity of being disrupted. And it can be disrupted because people are willing to ask, how can we do it? But the technology and the logistics models are now going to allow it to happen. And that's why I think it's going to be very, very interesting throughout the rest of the 2020s. What an amazing conversation today, Britton. I, uh, I feel like um, everything that I thought I understood about the emerging micro-fulfillment <laughs> space, I was just scratching the surface. And, and so I can definitely see how those forces are going to be um, having to make some big decisions, big moves uh, to scale up or, or be disintermediated in this process. But thank you so much for coming on Uncaged today. Uh, we've been speaking to Britton Ladd. Britton Ladd is the Chief Supply Chain and Marketing Officer um, for Pulse Integration. Uh, Pulse Integration, really, I would say, is a company that's working on, um, let's say, on, a, on several areas, but merging together on the robotics and technology and also really wrestling with this major major opportunity and challenge, which is micro-fulfillment. And Britton Ladd, who's now really kind of one of the key thought leaders in, in that space, uh, has been telling us all the things that we need to be thinking about. Probably some folks out there worrying about, right, Britton, <laughs> as they get their heart around this. That's um, absolutely true. Yeah. So, Britton, if somebody wanted to learn more, uh, tell us where they should find you. They honestly should just go to my LinkedIn profile. I always respond to anyone who reaches out to me, you can email me at bclad48 at gmail.com as well. Um, so anyone who reaches out to me, I always return the favor. Feel free to reach out to me with any questions on this topic, or feel free just to reach out to me because you want to get to know me. I'm so grateful. I had the opportunity to work with some great people over the years, and I love meeting new people because I always seem to learn something from everyone I meet, and I'm truly grateful for that opportunity. That's great. Well, listen, Britton, thank you so much for being on Uncaged today. Uncaged is a program that provides a voice to amazing executives from around the globe who are shaping the world of business today and mapping the path to the commerce of tomorrow. And we know that commerce of tomorrow will be driven by micro-fulfillment. So thank you so much, Britton. Thank you so much. I love being on the show. Cheers.